There is a true understanding of the connection of humanity when it comes to hospitality and about connections, driving experiences, and that being whether it's a guest or an employee or the stakeholders in which we work with, of how do you show up as you and create a space for someone to show up as them, to understand each other and to have a mutually positive impact on each other's lives. And that to me is something that I truly believe is the essence of hospitality. Hi there and welcome. It's good to be back in your ears. I have to tell you up front that this is a fun episode, but it also cuts right into the wheelhouse of human-centric service. You'll definitely want to take some notes as we get into it. I'm joined by Aaron Hayde, the Director of Global Talent Acquisition for Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts. What I love about talking with Aaron is her belief that connections drive experiences. So a conversation with her is never just a chat, it is a full-on rich experience. A little about Erin. She's currently the Director of Global Talent Acquisitions for Four Seasons, a role where she is responsible for finding, attracting, and selecting talent, possessing the competencies, skills, and attitudes that fit the needs of her organization. Prior to joining Four Seasons, she was the head of people with 10,000 coffees, and before that, a Director of Talent Acquisition with a core. Now, like so many in our field, Erin started down one path and almost tripped sideways into the hospitality industry, pretty much immediately finding her tribe of engaging, experienced-based people. Her smaller community-based childhood did help her see the power of stories early on. And so it's no surprise that in our conversation about talent, we hit on the importance of the need for space with people. Space for empathy and care. Space for trust and empowerment. And space for showing up and allowing others to show up with authenticity. We laugh a bunch in this episode, but we also spend time looking seriously at important operational characteristics within talent management and what needs to be in place in order to nurture exceptional human experiences. My name is William Murray. Welcome to the Service Center. Aaron, it is so good to connect with you again. We always have great conversations when you and I talk. You have a great story, but I want to start at the end of your story. I'm I'm that guy that goes to the bookstore and flips to the end of the page. So I want to start at the end of your story and tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now in terms of work. So right now, um, I am the Director of Global Talent Acquisition for Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts. In terms of what I do, it's, I think, often considered, so talent acquisition uh, has many components of pre-employee experience. It's about really partnering with the organization and understanding From a people perspective, how do we attract the type of talent that will propel the business in the direction that we're looking to go? So it's about understanding, A, what are the competencies, the skill sets required in the organization and in the business? And then it's about finding that talent and understanding where it lives. And from there, attracting all the way into the selection process. So understanding then how do you ask the questions and understand how to uncover those competencies and skill sets to truly understand uh, how those individuals will perform in the workforce. So developing the processes around that all the way into onboarding. It's really all the functions that happen prior to the employee experience. Now, in 2021, anybody who works in talent acquisition immediately goes up in terms of status because our labor (laughs) crisis right now, and I think crisis is a good word for Mm -hmm. it, uh, but our labor crunch means that people in your role in in talent acquisition 
have a lot of pressure put on them to to go and find talent. You now have a higher status in getting those rare, valuable resources for a company. Yeah. So let's go over to Four Seasons. What aspect of Four Seasons connected with you? I think a lot, to be honest. From my perspective, anyway, Four Seasons has always had a renowned reputation for obviously best-in-class experiences when it comes to the guests in incredible locations and Absolutely. really about connecting with just the best experiences possible. What I didn't understand was how that was powered, and I think the reputation also of Four Seasons has been um, an exceptional employee experience. But what specifically does that mean? I truly found through, honestly, my, my interview process and now through my experience with the brand, there is a true understanding of the connection of humanity when it comes to hospitality and about connections, driving experiences, and that being whether it's a guest or an employee or the stakeholders in which we work with, of how do you show up as you and create a space for someone to show up as them to understand each other and to have a mutually positive impact on each other's lives. And that to me is something that I truly believe is the essence of hospitality. It's my attraction to the industry. It's my excitement in the industry. And I really think Four Seasons does it so incredibly well. And I'm, I'm really proud to be with the organization. I mean, you, you talk about people showing up as you. And I know if we were to talk about kind of an independent owner-operator situation, showing up as you would be easier. But for arguably one of the top luxury hotel brands in the world, how do they dig that to show up as you? I think it's a great question. I think it's a secret sauce. <laughs> um, but it, I think it's maybe more simple than, than we think. As a bit of a side tangent, I had a conversation recently with my father who is super interested in like psychology of humans and, you know, the, the work environment and is just generally interested in what I do and, and um, what, you know, drives people to make decisions. And, you know, the concept of empowerment of, of the workforce and empowerment and trust as an organization to allow people's skill sets, allow people truly master their skill sets and, and be empowered to to deliver on them, I think is such a important concept and yet something I think new, the understanding of just how critical that is if, if you want an engaged workforce, uh, one who's, you know, really excited and moving with the organization. So, you know, how is it done? I think it's about really articulating how one behaves within a culture. So what are, you know, what is the goal of the culture? What is the type of environment that you want to create and making it simple? And so, I, I mean, Isidore Sharp has certainly made, um, built an entire empire, I would say, on the concept of the golden rule and really of, of people being at the heart of that. That starts with, you know, that's your culture is based on connection and based on taking care of each other. And then you articulate what behaviors are important in order to do that. And so what are the behaviors of leadership and, and the ones who really drive the experiences of employees? And then in tandem, what are the behaviors of employees that then drive, you know, the promise to the guest? That in itself is about creating an opportunity to nurture connection, of nurture, you know, the ability for people to do really well in their roles and, and to be truly 
hoteliers in every capacity and make it a craft and an art and an experience that you continue to learn and grow and evolve and that it's an important craft. Um, and from there of showing up and being you is, is really creating the experience of trust that it's okay to do so and that it's a safe place to do so. But I think it's naive to assume there's, there's not the infrastructure behind it and, and a strategy associated with it and learning and development and, you know, all of that infrastructure on the back end to ensure that people have those skill sets and behaviors and know what they're trying to accomplish and why. If culture is important and you, you pulled that out in terms of Four season, how would you describe the culture at Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts? It's probably a simple answer, but for somebody new to the organization, I think I think through my experience that I can speak to what the culture is. From day one, there's a direct link and care and consideration for building relationships. The experience that I've had is a genuine concern and a genuine interest in who I am. And honestly, the, the discipline in which I work and the work I do, certainly that's important and of interest, but it's, you know, who am I and how do we connect and how do we build a relationship? That's been empowering uh, because, especially in a virtual world that we're living in now and in, in the scope that we have where the connections are all over the globe, that's how you can then make decisions and, and how then you can understand what's happening in markets and, and you can really support the business is, is you have the relationships where then people tell you things and, and you can bounce ideas and you can work in partnership. I think there's also a nature of collaboration that I've never seen before and to, to the level of, of which collaboration exists is I think the definition of collaboration in this sense is ensuring really been thoughtful of the impact on how decisions will land with employees and with, with guests. And so there really needs that consultative effort and opinions matter. Voices really need to be heard and understood to get a full picture. And then you can kind of build decisions off that. But the ability to show up and, and have a conversation and really work through things, I think, is so much easier <laughs> when you have relationships as a starting point and putting efforts into that. That seems so simple, but it's, it is. And I think that's, but to put effort into it, it's really easy to overlook perhaps because it's that simple. But it could be so simple yet, as we're coming out of probably one of the biggest turmoils our industry has faced in the last 50, 60 years, it's also refreshing mm -hmm. to hear because we have yeah. heard so many more difficult stories from industry and talent who worked in the industry. Mm -hmm. And to have a company that invests now in building those relationships, and it has always been, it's been part of their culture, no doubt mm -hmm. about it. Uh, Isidore Sharp has set that culture from day one, that to be able to deal in those relationships mm -hmm. is refreshing. You know what it is as well, and I think the virtual component has a direct impact on that is because when you set a meeting or when you have a connection, you, you have an intentional um, agenda. You're, you're putting something on calendar. You don't find somebody at the water cooler. I don't know if water coolers still exist, but you don't just have those happenstance interactions in the office that you typically would where you gather information, you build relationships, you, you just have touch points. In the virtual world, you have to intentionally create space for conversation that maybe is not agenda-driven. To see that has been incredibly heartwarming. And to your point, at a time when we're all having struggles in our own way, 
to be able to have the pressure off of having to put on a persona, of having to agenda drive, of having to only be in a, a business persona is refreshing and very attractive. <laughs> Absolutely. I know that uh, in, in my world, when I'm connecting with students, I'm now using Teams and Zoom much more often to do five-minute check-ins. So I will receive an email and oftentimes my response back will be, are you available right now? Let's not do this on email. Let's just have this conversation where you and I can connect and talk about things and, and make a personal connection because I'm not seeing you on a regular basis. We don't have those happenstance meetings in the hallways or in office hours. And it's so very, very important. It is. And I think the, the intention that behind it, but also um, what you say of, I, I think with meetings and whatnot and putting time in calendars, um, it can feel almost uh, intrusive. And I think so, at least in my perspective. So by putting, you know, a calendar meeting in someone's um, calendar, I'm so sensitive to like, oh, I don't want to take someone's time. But I was reminded actually this morning by someone I work with who had put time of saying, you know, Erin, you had asked me for this. Can we just schedule some time? And I'm like, I don't need it. Like, just give me the response to my email. And um, by getting on the call, she was like, I just really like to talk to you. And to me, I was like, oh, that was disarming. That was very much like, okay, a reminder, Erin, that it's not just about the agenda. I have to actively remind myself that I also enjoy those conversations. I also like talking to her. So I think it has to be a consistent reminder at the same time. I often think when, and I'm just going to pivot here. I often think when we talk about moments like remote check-ins, something where we, we talk about technology being used in hotels in great ways because that's what customers want, we move it to a transaction where a guest needs to check in and the hotel wants them to check in and it's a key for a rent. But what we're missing is the opportunity to create an experience with the human connection, which we forget some of our guests really are looking forward to. And it's the same with employees. It is. And it's sometimes, I, I think the pandemic maybe has, made me hyper aware to this from a personal perspective it's sometimes we don't we ourselves don't realize the importance even for ourselves we're so productivity driven and so efficiently efficiency driven uh that you know our our output from a productivity is is our value um within our economy and i think that to slow down and realize in order to have really valuable output, not necessarily the most and, you know, the most productive, but the most valuable is when we're informed, it's when we're enabled, it's when we're connected, um, that you can really deliver on that. And I think that's about establishing those meaningful connections in order to get to the juice. Um, and you, And it, it's really... It's it's a consistent, I think I've already said this, but it's a consistent reminder um, to have to make the space for it Um, because we often ourselves forget how important it is. It's very easy to go day by day and just keep pushing along and not realizing the, the power of human connection. As somebody who is looking for talent, I'm curious what you are looking for when you're seeking out, and let's call it the best talent. What are the ideal characteristics that you're looking for 
in some of the high quality talent mm -hmm. that you're seeking? I think, I mean, a lot will be role specific, obviously, in terms of skill set. But when it comes less about the technical skill set and more about, I suppose, the leadership competency or, or just behavioral competency in general, there's some clear things that come out. One is the the pride, I think, in terms of quality of work, right? So there's, an, and, and by that, I mean, there's an attachment to the industry, to the business, to the output of the work, um, that it's it's a value and it's important. And there's, you know, the ability to then deliver something of quality to our our guest and to our employee as a, as a partner. And when you have, you know, people wanting to deliver their best and be in a position that they can, I think it creates an opportunity. I'm stumbling over what I'm saying here, but I think there's um, a connection and a pride attached. And I think that's, that's incredibly important to the work. The other pieces I think are incredibly important is um, the ability to have and build relationships. It's something that I've always known about the hospitality industry is that those skills are actually trained really early on. They're they're part of the required skill set, um, no matter what your co contribution level is in the organization, no matter what your job, you need to have the ability to understand yourself and to manage your emotions and to empathize up with others and to you know build meaningful relationships. And I think that skill set is so interesting when you and so desirable to other industries as well. I think we're we have a training ground for that, but I think it's obviously required when we're looking for individuals. There's a piece around problem solving, critical thinking that is very important, I'm sure in many industries, <laughs> certainly in ours. And part of that is also we're dealing with people and humans. And so sometimes it's about you need to uncover a lot more that maybe isn't as obvious um, to find out what those solutions might be and what those critical thinking skills might be. So um, I, I think there's a great skill set in being able to look at something and come up with um, different ways of thinking. Um, I guess I have a shadow to that is our industry is not always ready <laughs> for all of the problem solving and all of the critical thinking um, in terms of as we look at as a business and as an industry. Um, but I think that it's critical as we look at a guest experience and we look at, you know, the type of situations that we're in. Um, beyond that, I, I think we're, you know, a hands-on industry in most regards. And so there's a teamwork component that I, I suppose is part of relationship building. Um, but an ability beyond just like building a relationship is integrity and honesty and trust. Um, and so I think that those are, are critical skill sets as well. Innovation, I, I think, is something we could lean heavier into, especially at a time like this, where I think there's lots of opportunities to look at our industry and think of the opportunity <laughs> of what work looks like, what our total rewards looks like, how we measure success, how we move talent how we empower and uh, promote. I think all of that could do some more innovation, but I, I do think we look at that in a very similar lens as like problem solving. Those are like my top list. There's many, many more. <laughs> it's a long list of things that you're looking for. And I'm, I want to flip this for a second because we do have a lot of we have students, emerging talent, emerging leaders, talent and development. And they need to actually demonstrate some of these attitudes, abilities, skills, and behaviors. 
Could you give any advice on how people might demonstrate or develop these? I love this question. I've spent a lot of, I had the opportunity, honestly, to spend quite a bit of time on campus and with students. And it's one of my favorite parts of any talent acquisition function I've held. I think it's um, where I get a lot of joy and a lot of (laughs) excitement. Um, But I've had many conversations with students over the years about, well, how do I develop these skills? There's a laundry list. How do I get my foot in the door when, you know, you're expecting all of this experience? I think there's a lot of opportunity to build those skill sets throughout your education. It doesn't necessarily need to be with the school, but there's opportunity within your community and there's opportunity within typically the institution itself and more and more so within, you know, clubs and associations that are student run, that are some are volunteer and and within community. And I think those skill sets, students that have more enhanced development of some of those skills have more experience in the extracurriculars. This might not be an okay thing to say to a professor. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. Is I, I often don't really look at, well, we don't look at marks, right? Like, we're, it's great that you, you know, have showed up and that you have completed your studies, but that's not all. But it's a lot to ask so that you're going to have extracurricular, you're going to have a job, you're going to have, you know, your studies. And so a balance of that also shows the ability to manage what the industry is, which is a collection of different efforts that are happening at the same time. And so I really feel that it's as important as the education component to have those experiences that give you a leadership opportunity that allows you to test some of your skills and fail. And at the same time, gather feedback along the way from your peers, your behavior impacting others. And what do people value about, you know, your style and your approach and having you on a team and and maybe where some of the barriers that they see. And all of that really contributes. It's it's an actual live example that would be directly applicable to the workforce. Now, I appreciate that there's somewhat of a degree of privilege attached to being able to have access to all of those um, opportunities and being able to balance them. And so I, I think my answer to that is as many experiences as one can. And if they're within the community, they're within your own family, they're, you know, an opportunity to just work with others and ask for that feedback and take on a leadership component of whatever that is, even in a team scenario or in a classroom scenario, is going to help you and is going to help you develop those skill sets. I think there's great value in the importance of failure that we undervalue. Um, And I know that I've taught thousands of students and some are very driven by getting an A or an A plus and getting all of the answers correct. And it's very difficult to communicate to students sometimes that I want you to get a body of knowledge. And if you don't get every answer correct Mm -hmm. in my course, but over the four year journey that you've had, you have this amazing basket of skills and experiences and successes and failures you are going to be so much stronger than somebody who maybe only focused on the books because that's not our industry. Our industry is beyond books. Yes. Now I want to pivot a little bit. I want to go back to earlier in your story. We started at the end, but there's a beginning Um, because you did Mm -hmm. not start working in the hospitality industry as the director of global talent acquisition with one of the most premier luxury organizations in the world. This, this isn't where you cut your teeth. 
you started in in farmland here in Ontario with clearly a Renaissance father who who doles out philosophical wisdom. Fantastic. I love that. So where how did you go from there into the hospitality industry? I love that you started with the farmland because I actually as I get older, <laughs> it's something I reflect on a lot of how it built some of my core values and how it built um, my work ethic and how it built um, my approach to this industry. What did you take from the farm that has carried with you today? Quite a bit. I came from, like I said, a, a small farming community. Within that, I also had um, my father's side of the family very close. So my grandmother was literally the farm beside my uncles were all around um my grandmother was a great pioneer i would say in the local community and that she was the first kind of educated uh, she was the first school teacher in her family and was a bit of a, a um a rule breaker i'll call her and and that she was also focused on the importance of education the importance of um, a contribution to community and an importance of understanding other people's experiences. And so she often uh, was boarding students who was who were on trips from all over the world and was involved in, you know, elder care and all of these things. Why that's important and how that shaped me was the foundation of the farming community was around community, around being a good neighbor, <laughs> around having an active participation in your community and that being important and an expectation. The other side, though, and I think that came from the ability to also be exposed beyond my community early on through, you know, the arts, through travel, was how I learned that it was more than just the stories of my community. It was the stories of all communities that were also important and interesting. And um, we were, you know, a global citizen. And I think that was fortunate. And I don't necessarily think consistent across everyone's farming story. But I think it set me up to, I I felt that it was an expectation that I went to school far away and that I didn't have the support network in place because I felt it was important for me to learn something and be outside my comfort zone entirely. And I really felt my family was expecting it of me, whether they were or not. Um, I certainly did. So long story there. I moved to um, to BC to go to UBC and to study arts. I intended at that point I was going to be a school teacher like my mother and like my grandmother. Um, potentially, I thought maybe I would be a lawyer. And then I started my studies. And honestly, I, I was bored. <laughs> they were not interesting to me. Um, what was interesting is when I started working in restaurants. I had a friend who was working at Earl's Restaurant at the time, and he said they were hiring, and I walked in, and I immediately found people that were just interested in experiencing life. That's what I felt, and so I instantly, I, I found my tribe, and I was so excited about it. I was enamored about <laughs> the experience. It was like, and I had a leader at the time, the general manager, who was a woman who invested a lot of time in in the people in the restaurant who worked there and there was an expectation i think that no, i shouldn't say expectation there was an opportunity she created around leadership development that i i think was unique honestly to that location at the time i don't know of others but certainly of her leadership style and so i had a lot of one-on-one time i had a lot of opportunity to develop the technical skills to you know understand the routines and understand the expectation of the brand, et cetera. But I also had 
consistent one-on-one time talking about leadership and talking about my experiences and talking and giving me feedback and allowing me to ask questions. And so the combination of the people I was working with and the leadership and mentorship, I was sold like straight away. And I was living at the restaurant. Um, and I spent almost five years at that restaurant chain. And it, it set me up with the foundation and the skill sets that I've, I continue to use. That chain also does a really good job of building a strong culture. And they have a culture of fun and exactly what yeah. you said about building a tribe. The, the people who have worked, who I've experienced who worked at Earl's, say nothing but positive things about the teamwork, the camaraderie, the work ethic, um, and great foundational yeah. skills there. And so you came back to Toronto. I did working in food and beverage, and then pivoted over to go back to school to study human resources. Yeah. So what happened was um, I ended up help, uh, opening up some of the Earl's locations in Ontario. I always wanted to come back home. So I had the opportunity to do that with the brand. For me, then I pivoted into hotels using my f experience. Um, I also worked in housekeeping operations for some time with the Starwood brand. And then um, in, in addition to my operation role, I was actually given the opportunity to be a service culture trainer. So every brand, of course, has trainers that, you know, teach on the, the brand components, but also the competencies. And so that was pretty exciting for me. But it also gave me the exposure then to the Starwood global leadership team, as well as their regional talent development team. And so they posted a role, which I honestly had no idea really what they did. But I thought the team was awesome. I thought the leader was awesome. I thought I probably had the skills to do the job. And so I knocked on the leader's door and I told him so. And there was obviously an interview process and whatnot. But I ended up on the premise that I would return to get some education in HR that I would be able to take on that role. So that was my first role in HR, but there were conditions attached. <laughs> ah, we, we really like you, but you need to go and get some of the uh, technical skills. At the same time, at the same time. There, um, I think there's specifically when you in HR, there's obviously some education components around employment law, <laughs> around the technical component that are pretty important in order to keep the business um, out of risk. So that I think that was his major... <laughs> Mm-hmm. That seems fair. That that yes. seems like a fair trade-off. I thought so too. And and for somebody to take an opportunity like that to say, we don't want to mm-hmm. let you go, but we're going to work with you to bridge the gaps. Yeah, there's many touch points in my career, honestly, in, in past reflection where I look back. Out of luck, people have really taken a chance. Um, I didn't have the skill set to take on that. I shouldn't say skill set. I did have the skill set. I didn't have the typical background that you know, on a CV, someone might be looking for, but I really was able to understand how transferable my skills are, but the leader still had to take a chance and had to then support me in the, in the gaps of my learning. And this individual, um, who's still a very close friend of mine and just incredible as a leader was willing to do that. And I think that I've had a a couple of those throughout my career. (laughs) I'm really fortunate because honestly, without that and the chance, you, you don't get the opportunity. No, somebody really has to take a chance on you and, and the the values that you just laid out of transferable skills and, and having a leader look beyond the obvious to stare across the desk at you and yeah. say, well, here's what you have on paper, but I see more and I think it means more and I'm willing to take a mm-hmm. risk to see where this goes. 
might seem like a small decision, mm -hmm. but it is such a massive decision from the other side of the desk. And it's life altering for you it because it changes your trajectory. It is. It is. I'm going to read you something that you wrote. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> uh, about a month ago, you wrote, hospitality for me is about meeting, learning from, and positively impacting people, even if it's in a small way. It's an industry centered on humanity, empathy, and care. I'm wondering, how do we draw that out of people and make them understand that that's what our industry is about? Good question. So it's a tiny question. <laughs> um, I think the big piece to call out first is it can't be about that if we don't create the space for it. And empathy and care and humanity is not one dimension. And this is oversaid, but it has a story and a perspective. And it's not always, unless we have a safe environment where that is of value, um, it's really difficult to, for people to show up in that way. And I think that's the first part is, is a genuine understanding that the who you are is actually the value. Of course, technical skills are important and all of that, but the who enables the connection. It enables the experience. And so as leaders, the direct concern over ensuring people can do that I think has to be our priority. It's way easier said than done in my position right now, right? It's way easier than when I was, you know, a server, a bartender, or even assistant food and beverage manager, because my sphere of influence was certainly smaller. I was younger. I, you know, didn't have the same confidence that I may now. And, and so I think we as a collective need to understand that there's mistakes in that, that there's nuances that it isn't perfect and that's so beautiful <laughs> and what an opportunity to be able to work where it's literally just about human connections and i don't know if i answered your question <laughs> you got passionate no it's i mean i think that sometimes in business and not just in hospitality but in business we can strive for it being perfect mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and whether that's being perfect in terms of I want to gain efficiencies or in, I want to eliminate mistakes because somehow people are looking for, and I believe that they're not looking for perfect. They're looking for connection and it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. If we look at some of the most mm -hmm. beautiful things in the world, they're not perfect, but they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. and, and the same with relationships, that's those nuances and differences mm -hmm. and, and tones and colors and flavors are what make them mm -hmm. beautiful. But that's so hard to communicate sometimes in a culture. I love that. And to tell students or, or young leaders who are looking for the right answer. Well, this is the thing, and I think it's our, uh, I can't speak for other industries and, and other experiences, of course, but I do think when we look at service-based industry, there is an assumption there's a transaction. One is the giver, one is the taker. The guest is the taker. And, and I'm not sure that that's a scenario that actually exists. I think there, when we look at a relationship in any capacity, there's a mutual kind of... Ebb and flow. There is. Yeah, there has to be um, some sort of give and take from both sides. I think the concept of perfection is, is getting in our way. It's not allowing for authenticity. And authenticity is the driver of connection, in my, in my view. 
if, you know, we're trying to understand each other and I'm not showing you who I am, then you have no ability to understand me. I'm not showing up in the way that's authentic. And I think specifically in luxury, that can be really, really challenging because we promise these unbelievable things. And why I think I'm so attracted to Four Seasons is, but at the root of it is about truly understanding and connecting to be able to deliver on that. And that is challenging and complex to to explain because how we hire is based on this rubric and is based on, you know, these experiences. And within this hour, you're meant to tell me all about it. And that's really daunting for people to join into the to an organization or to an industry. So how do we maybe assess those skill sets differently is the direction I'd love to go. <laughs> In my part time, uh, I'm an amateur potter and uh, my wife and I were at a local pottery show on the weekend. One of the things that we noticed as we were wandering around looking at all of the local potters was how unique and different everybody created something with the same materials. But more than that, it was that there seems to be a celebration that this material is not perfect. Hmm. It wasn't that potters were trying to make the perfect pot. They were simply trying to make the pot in the moment. And that unique pot, there was it's a one-of-a-kind pot in a one-of-a-kind moment. And there will never be another one of these again. That is now being celebrated. The the growth mm-hmm. of Etsy and small markets and, mm-hmm. and uh, young creators who are doing these unique pieces. And I know that this is a bit of a tangent, it's very much embedded in my belief that hospitality is this celebration of creating something new and unique that I couldn't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. That's where our competitive mm-hmm. advantage is. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. And I think the differentiating part is how to create the space to the reflection actually is, I think I think it's a relatively new phenomenon. Now, new being like within the last 20 years, it's not new, new, but the concept that, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the era of Brene Brown and and the type of work with Daniel Goleman and, and the concept of, you know, empathy and vulnerability and those sorts of things are actually considered skills. And where I think in previous generations, it's, I mean, I'm not in those, so I, I may be wrong, but it's been really about holding the differences away from the business, at least, and really controlling the persona and really trying to be what it is you should be as defined by the organization and deliver that and, you know, not be anything outside of that definition. And if you are, then holding that back. And I think there's an expectation now, starting with my generation of, you know, I'd really like bosses that are human. I'd really like the ability for me to be okay and not have to be something different. And that I think enables then for it to reach the guest in a really special way and reach the travel industry in a really special way because we have the opportunity to explore and do things and have experiences that really are life-changing. And so you really have to create safety in order to do that and, and a full human expression. During the pandemic, and uh, as it translated in time, Mm -hmm. you pivoted out of the industry just for a little bit, and you spent a little bit of time with an organization called 10,000 Coffees. Mm -hmm. 
So when you were with 10,000 Coffees, I'm just curious, what attracted you to them? And what did you learn about the the idea of connectivity that is the basis of 10,000 Coffees? Mm. Yeah. So 10,000 Coffees, I actually came across during my time at Starwood, actually. Um, I met the founder. He was presenting a partnership with United Way on basically connecting youth with industry or with mentorship. And the whole premise is about the ability to create connections creates opportunity. And if we democratize that process and remove the barriers of entry into connections, that people by nature will have more opportunity. And so the mission, I think, is for me easy to get behind. Essentially, it's through software and uh, it's a software company. To be able to partner, I think, with a technology that's powering something incredibly important was an easy decision for me. So I, at that point, it was their, their scaling organization. They're, you know, becoming incredibly relevant market fit. It's been there for quite a while, but the pandemic certainly enhanced and, and exposed so much more opportunity for technology to be able to connect people when people are in remote situations all over. And so it was compelling to think of how do I build out an HR function in a different industry in a labor crisis with an HR technology that I can get behind. So again, someone <laughs> who took a risk on, I, I don't have the technology background and I certainly have never built an HR structure. I've been primarily in talent acquisition, talent management and learning and development. So it was so interesting and so different from an industry perspective, but I still, I guess, had my roots in the connection to, to the mission and the team. The other part is I'd worked with the, with the product in my role with Accor, and I was able to work closely with some of the team members, um, incredible people doing incredible work. So I'm really fortunate to have had that opportunity. That's the fit for you is that they spent so much time building connections between people, and, and you've spoken at length here. I would like to get your insight, though, on the emotional connection that hospitality talent makes to their job. How emotionally connected do we get to our work? You know what? I think it was a great reflection. So I've always almost worked in hospitality in my, like, with the exception, I guess, my first job was at a grocery store, which was really fun at 16. <laughs> it was like a dream job for me. <laughs> but other than that, I've always been in hospitality. And to pivot out of the industry at that point, based on kind of what was happening in the world, was a good time for me to reflect on my connection. And there was many people displaced um, in my network in hospitality at that time. And we were all kind of sharing similar kind of observations of just what hospitality has given us. And I think it's a lot around, now again, I'm speaking because I've worked only in that industry and my reflections of not being in it has been, we were really set up to learn and be trained and like our, our, our skill sets are people. Our skill sets are about communication and about anticipation of needs and about empathy. And that's our education um, when we're in hospitality. The connection I think is just implied because it's so personal and it's so connected just to you as an individual um, that I think people who have worked in the industry just have so many people and stories and relationships and experiences that have shaped them. Again, I'm sure in other industries, <laughs> there's, they, they're shaped in some way and form, but 
There's an emotional grip to those who work in hospitality. It is laborious work. And people aren't, like from the customer side, aren't always wonderful. <laughs> no, no, they are not. They have stories and they're interesting, and but they're not. It can be challenging. And <laughs> so how, you know, it, it's a difficult role and it's a role of giving. Um, but the giving part is purpose. As a human, that, that that's a purpose is to um, provide for others and to support and help others. I think that that is at the root of it is the connection. The other part is, hospitality creates opportunity to connect with people you never ever would and so those who work within hospitality come from all over the world in every every location um those who obviously the guests travel from all over the world everyone has a different reason for staying in the hotel and for working in the hotel that the the diversity of experiences of life and of stories and and just is so unique and i think that's really compelling and certainly emotional in terms of attachment. You have mentioned the word stories quite often in our conversation right now. And so I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't say how valuable or what is the value of our stories in the work that we do. Oh, man. You ask such like easy light questions. <laughs> Um, so how's the weather value of story (laughs) i probably have a complex answer for that too Um, (laughs) in terms of stories i think first of all i (laughs) i've i've grown up with the concept that everyone has a story and that that story is is our opportunity to understand and be exposed to something we wouldn't other otherwise be exposed to and learn something we otherwise wouldn't have learned from. That's truly a foundation of just where I come from. And, and it's a core value and belief of mine. I think where stories comes into play is that the experience there is no two stories are the same. And you, as a human, you react and you move through life in different ways. And that's all learning. It's all, you know, to me, fascinating of what shapes how we make decisions and and how we drive value and what's important to us. And that's all within our story. And so the opportunity to hear another story is, is a gift. And for people to feel comfortable and share that is, is an opportunity. And I don't know, I think that's literally and uh, just what it's about. <laughs> like I really do. So as a global talent acquisition director coming out of the pandemic, what's the future for talent in our industry? It's an interesting time to be in talent acquisition. Is that in may you live in interesting times? <laughs> Perhaps. Um, there, there's a labor crisis happening and labor, a labor shortage, specifically in some markets, Americas primarily. And a lot of that is, okay, we're in recovery at the same time and we're returning, you know, our jobs, uh, our, our jobs are recovering, and but everyone's looking for you know, same talent at the same time. So we're competing kind of across the same talent groups. But the other part is people have reflected on, you know, what's important to them, where they want to live, how they want to live, what type of environment, the type of flexibility, what type of connection, how they were treated through this process. I think there's two things happening is there's um, hospitality is under review of what is it to, it to work in hospitality, especially in the front lines? And 
forcing organizations to be innovative and think more flexibly. I mean, I've grown up in this industry. I'm the first to call it. We're not quick to innovate when it comes to employee experience. We're wonderful and great stories and great to be around, but how we look at work is is really inflexible. And so I think when we look at what's happening with talent as an industry and as service industry in, in general, not just hotels and hospitality, it's what are we trying to do here? And what are all the ways we could do it? It doesn't have to be one way in how we've set it up. It has to be all the ways. And we're going to need, you know, partners in our in our labor unions. We're going to need partners in our communities to really understand what work should be looking like when it comes to flexibility, when it comes to safety, when it comes to the compensation and total rewards of ensuring that it's it's best in class and, and it's comparable to our guest experience that we're providing. Um, with as much care. I think as an industry, we need to be a little bit more creative in how we think and a little bit less resistant (laughs) to different ways of thinking about it. I'd like to say in this organization that I'm currently working, 100% what what we're looking at is like, what is, what is the future of work and how can we lead in that sector? And I know, you know, industry or organizations as a whole are looking at it like that out of necessity because candidates are expecting it. And so we're not going to win this battle. Previously, we might have had a little bit more ability to, but it's the candidate's market. And you know what? That's amazing because it's going to force change. And I'm really excited about that. That is a fantastic place to end. Aaron. it is always a treat to talk to you. When I earmark and I know that we're going to be talking, I know that it's going to be a great conversation. Uh, So I want to thank you for the hour. This is great. And I think we could do it for another two hours. So down the road, I'm going to come back. I'm going to line up a lot of easy questions and then we'll just do a rapid fire session. Okay. I love rapid fire because I'm so good at quick and concise responses. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) Thank you again. This, it, it was so good to talk to you. Likewise. I'm thrilled that you are back with Four Seasons, that you are back with our industry from a completely selfish point of view, because I know that uh, that you're going to make such a difference to the organization you're with and change that culture. It's such a pleasure to chat. I love having conversations. I think I said this to you at the top. There's nothing really greater than a good conversation. So thanks for always creating that opportunity. Now, if you enjoyed this episode of the Service Center, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can see when new guests drop into the Service Center. It can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many more. The Service Center was created and produced by me, William Murray. I would love to hear from you about the show, including what you're enjoying, who you might like as an upcoming guest, or just a burning question you'd like answered. So go ahead, leave me a comment, connect with me on Twitter or LinkedIn, or just go old school and send me an email. Thank you for choosing to spend your time here. I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of The Service Center.